0: My name is Noah. Hey, Noah, guess what? We got a big show today because Ubuntu 16.10 has landed, and we'll give you our action review. And it surprised me in a pretty remarkable way, and I'll tell you about that. And I think maybe Noah might have been a little surprised, but for different reasons. So stay tuned for our review coming up. And then in the news segment, there is a big way to celebrate KDE's 20th birthday, and we'll tell you about that. Huge news for virtual reality and open source virtual reality headsets under Linux. Our friends over at FreeBSD have some big news. And then, ladies and gentlemen, you've been waiting for it, the big game release, one of the last big game releases for Linux this year. Not the only one, but one of them, coming up in a little bit next week. And we'll give you a heads up. Then we got big feedback. Lots of stuff. Huge. Huge. Real big. Real big feedback. But before all of that, we got big picks, don't we, Noah? Come on. That's my line. You're supposed to say huge picks. That's what you're supposed to say. Huge. You could have totally owned it. Huge picks. All right, huge huge, 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 All right, but before all huge. that, no, we've got the picks. You didn't, Thank you. you didn't say huge Wait, picks though. Yeah, I wanted a huge picks. What's it, what do From I got? China, do? all right, China, China. China. All, right. all right, all right, okay, all right. I'll take China. I'll take China. We'll start with the runs of Linux. It's uh, gonna be terrific. Believe me. <laughs> okay, see now I'm happy. See now you. I just wanted the impersonation brought out on the show. I gotta give a credit over to Dutch guy on the Ubuntu subreddit for finding this one. This Dutch train station runs Linux, and it runs Ubuntu at that, and he got a shot of it four days ago, and then serendipity struck, and another user on Reddit, Amber Black, got another shot from another angle where you can clearly see that's the grub boot menu on a massive LED leaderboard above the trains, and I I would imagine once this thing boots into X, it probably gives you like departure information and arrival information, but like all good things that go up, some things must come down. <laughs> and I think that's what happened here. It looks like that to me, at least. So I would love to see something like that. If you're out in the wild, bust out your phone if you have a Linux moment and send it to just take a picture of it and send it to Linux Action Show at Jupiter And props to the Dutch guy for spotting this big billboard of runs Linux. I've seen a blue screen that big before in public, and it was a massive blue screen. I took a picture of a blue screen in public
1: just Mm. when we were in Las Vegas. Yep, I've seen it in Vegas. Vegas
0: has got a ton of them everywhere. This one, this one's a little more embarrassing, but it's also a little more satisfying because those of us who are in the know would immediately recognize that as the grub boot screen, so it's like extra cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, it also says advanced options for Ubuntu, which is kind of a giveaway
0: (laughs) for us. But I don't know. You know, you average average train goer, though? I don't know. Like, they're looking up at that Ubuntu, MemTest 86. What is, what's going on with the train station? That's what they're thinking. (laughs) The train has a memory? (laughs) Yeah, right. MemTest is, wait, is there going to be a test when I get on the train? (laughs) (laughs) So there you I go. would fail it yeah <laughs> hey a big shout out to our chat room who's joining us live over at Sunday at jblive.tv we start at noon Pacific and uh, they are they're often in there not only keeping us on the straight and narrow but bang suggesting away with uh, show topic suggestions now Noah before we get into a very special community edition of our spotlight and an app pick that sounds like it's really up Noah's alley I'm gonna tell you about something that's up my alley and that's DigitalOcean. head over to digitalocean.com and use our promo code here's the thing it's all one word it's lowercase once you get logged into their dashboard however you do that by creating an account or if you already have one get in that dashboard and apply our promo code here's the thing and get a ten dollar credit and friends did you know that ten dollars is ten dollars? I mean, look at that, right? That's, that's math right there. You apply it to your account. You can run a machine for $10 worth. Now, why does Chris say it like that? Well, I mean, yeah, he's a bit of a goof. But the reality is you can run a rig for $0.03 cents an hour or really less than that. But I, I like the $0.03 cents an hour. That's a, that's a really nice performance rig. Or you can switch over to monthly. And look at this. $5 a month gets you a nice base rig. I've got like three of these droplets at least. Most of mine now are the $10 or $20 droplets because I'm doing multiple things on one droplet. But I, for single task machines that I want to be dedicated to a specific function, man, I, I'll go $5 droplet any day. And if you use our promo code, here's the thing, get the $10 credit, try it out two months for free. Now, DigitalOcean has a great, simple, easy to use interface. that will get you started in less than 55 seconds. And they're loaded up with data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Toronto, Germany, and India. They're probably building a new one in your backyard and you don't even know it because it's underground because they're just that clever. DigitalOcean also has a beautiful, elegant interface and a super nice API to back it all up. And if you ever need extra storage, well, guess what? Not only do you get the direct SSD attached storage that comes in your droplet, and they're all SSDs, but you can attach additional block storage as you need up to 16 terabytes and resize them when you need more space. I love it. Just use the promo code, here's the thing, over at digitalocean.com. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for making it so dang easy to spin up a droplet, including Ubuntu droplets. Digitalocean.com, here's the thing. I love me the droplets, Noah. Love me the droplets. Spun one up this weekend. Not for myself, I have, I have a, for my lady friend. I have friend. a few myself. Yo, I've heard oh, that no. about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah in fact, uh, She's going all Linux. I'll have to tell you, we, maybe we'll make a segment out of it sometime, like a future video, uh, converting yeah. her clinic over to Linux. Because uh, she once we put it on her laptop, and then from there, mm-hmm. her, she's loving it. She's just all in. So um, she's going to awesome. get a new rig for the clinic that's going to run Linux, new, new droplets nice. that are running Linux. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So this awesome. looks pretty cool for at least you and I. I don't know how the audience is going to react to it until they have their moment. Maybe a party, a wedding, a Christmas event. I don't know. But it's Internet DJ. What's this? So... In a DJ uh, console. Things,
1: yeah, so one of the things that we're looking at is uh, we're constantly trying to improve the network, and and uh, and in that we have a couple of ideas of how uh, of a couple of things that we're they're, we're going to try and get off the ground here in in the next couple months. And <clears throat> I am trying to facilitate how what that looks like um, in in a variety of broadcasting situations. So what does it look like if I'm in Grand Forks? What does that look like when you're on the road? What does that sure. look like when we're both at a location? How do we facilitate these things? And we use OBS to broadcast uh, video, and that works very, very well. What do we do about audio shows? What do you do, for example, when you go to the Open Daylight Summit, and you did want to broadcast from there? Well, we don't have $7,000 to buy the tie line system, so I, we have to find some way to leverage open source and Linux and have that do the same job for us.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, well, I want to pause you right there. It's something we do kind of in the background a lot, Noah's been totally, like, deep, really deep in this Uh, up to his nose balls, is he's been discovering literally like how really, really high-end broadcast gear is used to accomplish certain things, and individually, each specific task, deep diving on those, Mm -hmm. and then where possible, rolling that back and say, okay, cool, but Mm -hmm. how can we solve it with a software solution on a Linux box? And it's pretty amazing how close you can come sometimes to like $10,000 boxes, now not every time. And sometimes right. these boxes are two thousand bucks. Sometimes they're seven hundred bucks, but they're mm-hmm. all very expensive. So right, you and, and really, and got my ears really what now.
1: you're really what you're trading is you're trading a large check for a little bit of sweat. So it, the, the, <laughs> the, the solutions that I'm coming up with, they aren't, We don't just take them out of the box and plug them in, right? We got to buy adapters and cables and all sorts of things. And but, I didn't set the software. But you, up. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, but I'm trading. I'm trading my sweat for it. And so the, the problem is, um, we. You know, you can use software like Mix, and I can preload mp3s or aug <clears throat> files and I can stream those and that works fine but what do I do when Chris wants to get on the air and wants to do a remote broadcast uh, you know audio broadcast how do we do that and what um, internet DJ council is is it is ice cast streaming software that I believe it uses dark ice on the oh sure on the back end but what basically what it's doing is it's take it's capturing an audio input encoding that into a wave stream or an mp3 stream or an aug stream and then sending that out out to an ice cast server uh, which can then be picked up and then put out over over the stream. So <clears throat> what that would look like is you would take, instead of having to bring a bunch of equipment, all you need is a small little mixer and a USB audio interface in your laptop, and now you can broadcast uh, from anywhere. and uh, And Ooh. we can choose depending on the bandwidth requirements we can set inside of internet dj council what we want to stream out do we want to do 128 kilobits or 256 do we want to do this
0: is uh this is very 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 compelling because it's doing a couple of things that i have been trying to wrap my head around how i'm going to pull this off so uh, mm-hmm. I would like to have uh, a, a Linux machine that runs my soundboard. I would like to have a Linux mm-hmm. machine that runs chat room and runs mm-hmm. uh, music and does all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And then I'd have to have another Linux machine. And I've been building towards this uh, on mm-hmm. this is for all remote that does like the, the the connection to the remote server, streams the audio. Right. What I'm loving about this piece of software is it brings all of that into one software console. It does the exactly. music. It does the jingles. It does the ice exactly. cast stream. That's exactly. super nice.
1: Yeah. Uh, the phone so it is my it is, soundboard just, and the music machine. The, yeah. You have your broadcasting system in a software package. And so you just install it, and now you can do all the things that a radio DJ would need to do on the air, except in our case, you know, for podcasts.
0: Uh, this but. is interesting because it's like I was gonna try to maybe build this or with like a super complicated jack setup where I'd have like a bunch mm-hmm. of audio routing internally and then and and this
1: software actually it has uh, it has a plugins for jack. I was playing with this a little bit, but you can make like you can make software defined audio systems. So you can say, I want the input from my microphone to come in on Jack one or whatever. And then I want audio to come in on Jack two and you can make your little channels and kind of set up how you want. And then what, finally gets sent out or what comes out through the audio thing back into your headphones. So maybe you have, what that might look like is you have music coming in from VLC and you have your microphone and that's channel one and two, but channels three and four are the studio return and the studio return channel three and four are coming out the headphone jack of the audio interface into your ear. So you're hearing what, hmm. what's, whatever is in the studio and you're sending channels one and two back to the studio, but you're not sending three and four. Huh. And I'm sorry if that's a little confusing for you audio listeners, but it's it's very customizable. That's the important
0: part. Essentially, it, it allows you to do a bunch of routing. Um, and then the other thing it yeah. looks like it has is it has real-time uh, audio processing as well, which is super nice. This is really everything I would need, including even key bindings and uh, support for MIDI bindings. Anybody... Ooh. Boy, this is... Wow, No, this is one of those pieces of softwares that if I think if we were starting today, this would be a lot of what we do would be built around this. So, yeah, yeah now yeah. we've got to figure out how to retrofit this into our workflow. <laughs> I could see, like, uh, I could also see schools and universities using something like this. There's there's probably a, probably a bigger audience for something like this than just those of us that are doing podcasts out there. Uh, this is really nice. So, it's Internet DJ Console. And uh, you can find it at idjc.sourceforge.net or the link in the show notes. And I really, I'm, yeah, okay, you got me impressed. <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed. We'll see. We'll see how the rest of the audience feels. Have you loaded? Have you loaded on any machines yet, or you just been reading about? I, I did. I, ha- I have it on my non-working Ubuntu sixteen ten laptop, uh, <laughs> yeah. and if it
1: had internet, I would be able to, you know, do something with it. But okay. I played with it. I played with it just enough to, to, I, you know, like it's one of those things. You know, you evaluate software in stages, and so <laughs> yeah. I'm at the stage yep. where I saw where all the buttons are, mm-hmm. so I can, I can imagine what it's capable of. Now it's a matter of like actually hooking stuff up and trying all of the buttons to yeah. see that they work. Maybe, the uh, they maybe work.
0: we'll do a live from a fest sometime, yeah, some, exactly. sometime soon. Well, that's pretty exactly. cool. Internet DJ console. Okay. Now, our next submission, it comes from Ben Fitzpatrick. He didn't include any audio, which he seems to forget most people listen to audio. So we have added this really dramatic music to go with our spotlight this week. A custom heart audience submitted runs Linux. I present to you Ben's tense boot process of his new Gen 2 rig. Go, Ben! Yeah! He's pressed the power button now, Noah. Gen 2 logo shows up. Oh, snap. Now, if you look closely, that might be a MacBook Pro Coming out of
1: the left, you see the bootloader. It is going to the right. Is it going to make it? I think it's good. There it is. Finished. It's finished the boot screen. Now he's oh, are logging, logging in the log on screen. He has gone to his keyboard. MacBook in the corner. In the past- oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's all right. He's a multi-platform One-handed user. Like
1: those. Look at the skill of
0: typing. I think he got his password on screen, though. Well, that's no good. Really... Our uh, chat room is cracking his password as we record this. There we go. He's logged in now. Yeah, Ben. Oh, look at that. He's got a very Unity-like setup there. Oh. Okay. Very nice. Nice. And then the other Linux rig. Two Linux rigs. Congratulations, Ben. You officially. Get our 80s cop music for your epic Runs Linux. Although, because it was no audio, we decided to make it a spotlight. So it was our spot. We've never done a Runs Linux in the spotlight before, but come on. Mm -hmm. We had an opportunity to play 80s cop music on the show. We had to go with it. That's that's
1: (laughs) number one. And number two, that's a man that switched to Linux. So you're a great American hero.
0: That's true. That is true. Oh, I could have gone with her. Oh, that probably would have got us taken down, so we probably couldn't have played that. Look, if you'd like to submit your runs Linux, like I said earlier, you can email it to the show or go to the contact page and choose Linux Action Show from the dropdown or submit it to com. Now, before we go any further, I'm going to give a little tease because for a limited time, pretty soon we're going to be announcing a way you can get your hands on some cool last stickers that I'd- I don't think I'm supposed to say this yet, but I'm going to do it anyways because I have them right here and I don't want to forget. And I want to give people a heads up. Keep an eye out. Maybe look at the Jupiter Signal Twitter account, but we are going to be releasing for a limited time. You can't quite see them here, but do you have a guess what these are, Noah? Can- I'm guessing they're stickers. Yeah, they are. But can you guess what kind of stickers they're? Because they're very little. I'm guessing they're last stickers. They're last stickers for the Super Key. And we have them in all black. <laughs> And we have them in the colored last logo. That is so cool. I know, dude. And we're going to be giving them away, and we'll tell you how very soon. And I didn't want to forget because I just got the proofs in. You know what? Yeah. You know
1: what? yeah. I currently, the, I I have not uh, I have yeah. not rectified this. You position.
0: have you have a black key I that needs have. a black. So we're going to have a black sticker and a white sticker. The white sticker has uh, the full color logo. Well, it's actually it's Tux and uh, the rocket, and then we have the black one with Tux and the rocket. So it's a, it's more like a a. a uh, a refined version of the last logo, so that way it looks nice on the Super Key.
1: That is that is a freaking brilliant idea. Whoever came up, with
0: Angela that. did. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who who did. Ange did. Yeah, she's yeah, she's got a brilliant. secret plan that to give the them away option. soon. So we'll we'll have more information on that, probably starting uh, in the next couple of weeks or sooner. As soon as we, I mean, these pretty much pass the sniff test. So I'm pretty happy with the proof. So I thought that was pretty cool. And we, in the meantime, if you'd like to get a sticker for your laptop, like I've got. Uh, I've got the Apollo here running uh, Ubuntu sixteen ten, and look at all them stickers on there. And some of these stickers you can find at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash stickers, like uh, like that one there, and that one there, and that one up there, and over here, and all those. So uh, yeah, did you see it? Are you checking out my stickers? Yeah, I'm just looking at all the ones you have on there. I like it. Yeah, and I have this uh, vinyl. What I do is I take these uh, vinyl covers, and mm-hmm. uh, I just I, one day I'll just pull off this vinyl cover and put another one on there and add more stickers, and then I'll save this vinyl Box. cover. So it'll be kind of be like my own like little keepsake. Uh, And then every time I go to a conference, I can stick her up again if I want to. And I got a vote. You see, you see my vote tucks on there? Heck yeah. Yes. I I forget that. I forget which conference. I have one of
1: those on my, I have one of those on my, on the back um, end of my
0: Jeep. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I saw it. Yeah. So there you go. Jupyterbroadcasting.com slash stickers. If you want to load up and probably sooner than later, you'll hear more about uh, how to get your hands on our super key sticker, which cover up that window shame. All right, Noah, let's do the news. the news in this episode is brought to you by ting.com go to last.ting.com to take $25 off your first ting device or get $25 in service credit when you bring your own device check them out at last.ting.com and click how much would you save put your numbers in there that's your ting litmus test you'll only pay for what you use at ting it's six dollars for the line and then it's just your usage on top of that easy peasy super simple to understand keeps things nice and clear last.ting.com not only does ting have great customer service but they have a really radical idea with mobile. You ready for this? No contracts. (gasps) No early termination fees. (gasps) All their devices are unlocked. (gasps) I know, it's nuts, and you only pay for what you use? What, how can this be? Chris, this cannot stand. This must not be possible. Friends, not only is it possible, but Ting just made it even better. Data is now cheaper on Ting. From now on, prices look like this. All right. Need more? Yes. It's just $10 a gig. All right. That's what new customers pay. Okay. That's what current customers pay. Good. It's simple. We like simple. See for yourself at ting.com slash rates. I would go to last.ting.com, so that way you get our discount and support the show. Uh, also, over on their blog just went up, if you like stickers, we were just talking about stickers, Ting is doing a sticker giveaway. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's Sticker Mania this week. So check it out. If you go to their blog, they've also got a write-up about the new uh, Fire TV, great stuff for cord cutters, about their fiber internet service they're rolling out. There's tons of good stuff. But you know, Noah, if I was in the market for a budget phone, and I don't know, you don't have mm-hmm. to necessarily get it directly from Ting, but I would seriously consider the 5X at this point. You're probably going to start seeing it roll out on sale. Last.ting.com, 338 bucks. Here's the thing about this. It's got 18 months of updates left for it. 18 more months, you're going to have current Android on this thing, fully stock Google experience with no contract. You only pay for what you use. You can bring any device to Ting that supports their networks. You just check on their BYOD page. You can also just go pick up a phone and bring it over. For example, the Noah's new phone, I'm sure, just any day now, the Pixel, totally Ting compatible. You can find out more information about that on Ting's website. They also have all the Internet devices that run the Internet OS from the fruit company what do you think you' you're gonna pick up a pixel Noah? I I, uh, I don't know I'm still I'm still batting that this
1: isn't around but um just uh just recently my wife broke her phone uh, she smashed it <laughs> and uh yeah accidentally and so we were in the market to, to go get her a phone we actually uh, she settled on on the original the, the original five Nexus five and so we picked one of those up used and it was it was kind of an interesting experience because she did the whole migration herself this time uh, usually I set everything up for her, but I was It was unavailable when her phone got there. And she goes, she just figured out, like, I can just take the SIM card out of my broken phone and put it in this new phone and turn it back on and sign in. Yep.
0: yep. Everything just works. Yeah, it's really nice. In fact, that's one of my favorite things about Ting because Angela had the same thing. Uh, A phone came in while I was on a road trip. She needed to set Mm -hmm. it up. She was, just able to, she was just able to call Ting's customer service and work it out. And that's one of the best things about Ting is not only do people get a great deal, but then you don't necessarily get stuck playing the tech support role if you don't want it. And their, counts, their account dashboard is so crazy easy to manage that anybody can see it will work their way through it. So just get started by going to last.ting.com. And a big thank you to Ting for sponsoring the Linux Action Show, last.ting.com. Visiting there and just learning more about Ting is a nice way to tell Ting that you heard about it here on the show, even if you're not ready to buy yet. And you can plug in that savings calculator and see what you might save when you do switch. Last.ting.com. Here's a pretty cool way to celebrate KDE reaching its 20th birthday, which we mentioned last week on the show. And did not see this coming. Did not see this coming. The KDE project, or uh, someone working there, has released KDE 1. They call it the KDE Restoration Project. So version 1 of KDE. The first one is available and runs on a PC in 2016. QT1 KDE 1.1.2 on Linux 4.8.
1: That's pretty cool. That is super cool. That's the kind of that that is the kind of thing that really appeals to me. I mean, you know me, I'm a retro guy, right? I I'm into like really old computers and and trying to yeah. get all that stuff to run. So the fact to be able to take a look back in time, back when computers were amazing and weren't cloud-based, I love it.
0: I, I love it too because it's sort of it's sort of the perfect way to to have like a living museum of open source software. You don't you don't have to just look at screenshots and and find like when you if you want to go look at Windows three one, or three one one if you want to go relive that experience for some reason, you can just. You don't you can't just download the source code and modernize a few things and rebuild a few things and have it working on a current PC. You've got to go somehow find the installation disk, craft together an old VM, cobble it all together, and sort of get some kind of use usable experience out of it to sort of <clears throat> revisit that era of computing. But with mm-hmm. open source software, there's no reason we can't do this on scale. It just takes work. And uh, some mm-hmm. of that work was rather fascinating. Uh, because it did require that they uh, fixed a few things and patched a few bits of the old code base, obviously. But they said part of it was that the old code base was in pretty good shape. They had to revamp it to use CMake and uh, added it to Git and all those things, <laughs> which is which is pretty cool. And there's a blog post linked in the show notes if you want to read more. Uh, they f- They wrap up by saying our community is truly a global one. It's one that strives on mentoring people and letting them reach their true potential, as it be a programmer, artist, translator, community organizer, system administrator, or tester of any of the hundreds of roles that make community great. Uh, KDE, great. That's a pretty neat way to do this. And I would love to see this. And, you know, in as many ways I've been recently considering Matei sort of a living, breathing homage to GNOME 2 in a way that sort of – Brings GNOME two into our modern computing experience and keeps it relevant and up to date with GTK three mm-hmm. and all the new modern bits like Wayland. Mm-hmm. This is sort of the same side of the other side of that same coin, in that you can you can take something that for me uh, this was a this came at a very um, a very raw fun time for me in computers in a, in, in, a, in in something that hasn't really been recaptured in a long time. And I think that's part of what I like about it so much. So mm-hmm. I just have to say congratulations to them for doing this. And if you want to read about the work uh, and the the code base that had to be patched and the revamp revamped make and all of that stuff, you can uh, go read about it in the blog post. KDE 1.1.2. That's awesome. <laughs> so awesome. Now this is some really good news for those of you that are hoping to see VR land on Linux. HTC has shown the Vive VR demo on a Plasma desktop. I believe it was Kubuntu, no matter. And uh, this is is super compelling because we're talking about a couple of things that are really exciting. We're talking Mm -hmm. about a Linux desktop, we're talking about Mm -hmm. VR support, and they're using Vulkan which is pretty cutting edge. And the same code base they're using to make it work on Linux will work on the Mac, which means that there probably is somewhat more of an investment behind it from a company standpoint because it's a multi-platform initiative. Now, a couple other bits, though, that are extremely encouraging along with this news is there is a company called Calabra, I think is their name. Mm -hmm. And that name kind of rings a bell, and I'm I'm not sure why it does. I probably should. They are working on a fully open-source HTC Vive driver for the headset. Mm-hmm. So now we're talking about full VR using Vulcan on Linux and an open source driver to control the headset, which is going to push a lot of buttons in the open source community. That's a that's you, a nice. Combo. Have you ever have you played with the HTC Vive? Not the Vive. I've played with the Oculus. Okay, um, but
1: not the Vive. So the the Vive, I, I've played with the I played with the Oculus and 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 I've played with the Vive and I played with. Uh, but there is. There is a big difference <clears throat> between I have like, heard that. of the VR headsets. It, like it is a it is it is so immersive. It, I, I I can't really put it into words. All I can tell you is that the HTC Vive is in like a class of its own. Not quite enough that I would be willing to use Windows to use it, but it, very very close to like I would do almost anything to to yeah. to be able to play games like that. Like yeah. it is so immersive. And so the fact that that would come to Linux, and the fact that that seems like that's going to be more open source kind of thinking i should pick one up (laughs) i mean i'm sure the
0: games and most of the consumer software will be closed source but if you have open source drivers for the headset i could see open source scientific applications educational resources i mean the potential there for linux in a classroom running one of these vibes is remarkable and uh, my limited experience with vr um has been has been really it's two things really the first time i used it uh, I definitely had one of those. Oh my God! This is like no other technology I've ever used. It's nothing like the Nintendo thing was back in the day. It's nothing like a Google Cardboard. It is. Mm-hmm. It is at a whole other level. Just with the Oculus. Mm-hmm. Now I can. Yeah. I've heard. I've heard the Vive's even better. So I'm. I mm-hmm. like you though. I'm not willing to run Windows to try it. If if right. you could buy a PlayStation and hook up a Vive to it, exactly. I might exactly. consider trying to scrape that yep. together. But I mm-hmm. and I'm not as interested in PlayStation VR. And let—I mean—that might be the route I go just to mm-hmm. get close. But I'd rather mm-hmm. just sit out a couple of generations and wait for this to get settled yep. out for Linux. Yep. But when Me I too. did try it, when I tried the Oculus, I had—I I had like a—I had like a moment. I had like an honest, legitimate like, oh, oh boy, I just witnessed something big here. This, and yeah. and then I had a creepy feeling. I had a super creepy feeling, like, oh, this is going to wreck humanity. This is so good. This is going to wreck us. And then. And then that that's sort of, all oh, crap. We're going to be doomed. That feeling has been subdued by the fact that it feels like these VR guys can't get off the ground. And now I'm just starting to think it's all vaporware and hype. <laughs> and that makes me feel better because humanity might have a shot. Because the holodeck on our face is going to destroy us. That's just my personal opinion. But uh, either way, I'll be ready to try it out and uh, report on our uh, dystopian future, powered by VR. I, I, when it will, arrives. I, I tell you what, there are a
1: few things that... There are a few things... I, I don't like to buy a whole lot of things like brand new to begin with. I usually like to buy things a couple generations out anyway but if linux the day that linux support lands for the vive i will be purchasing one
0: yeah i think i might like, too if if, if I even, can.
1: even if even if you know what you know what i'm talking about like the games being proprietary even if none of the games worked and the only thing that worked was the little vive lobby thing that comes with it in steam if that was the only thing that worked and like you can walk around and like pick things up and throw like if that's the only thing i can do with it i would buy it just for that
0: yeah so uh, a lot of this is coming out of steam dev days um which is probably exactly what you'd expect steam developers come together at a at a fairly interesting conference and I don't think they allow press which is too bad cuz it actually sounds like a badass event and there they had a linux box well they had a pc a generic pc tower hooked up to a big lcd screen and on the on the pc tower was a piece of piece of printer paper stuck to it that says, Linux VR demo. And that was our first indication that they might be trying VR on Linux, was this big piece of paper attached to a PC tower, Linux VR demo. And then up on the screen was uh, the Kubuntu desktop. And that is pretty exciting. I would love to have been there to report it, but I don't think they allow media in. So you're ready to go from the total opposite spectrum of VR gaming. This was not. This was not good flow uh, for the new segment, but it's what it is. FreeBSD 11 is out, and uh, this is actually just listening to our BSD now friends. A pretty badass release with new architecture support. I think primarily around ARM 64 now becoming a uh, essentially a primary um, uh, platform for the BSD for FreeBSD. They also have lots of performance improvements, tool chain enhancements and uh, support for uh, contemporary wireless chipsets. I think that just means more wireless chipsets, but I don't speak BSD. Also, tool chain enhancements, including an update to Clang, and a migration, thank goodness, to the BSD-licensed ELF binaries. Phew. And then out-of-the-box support for Raspberry Pi. How about that? Raspberry Pi 2 and BeagleBone Black. Welcome to 2012. In addition, FreeBSD 11 lays the groundwork for a release stream that will see many significant features during its lifetime, and that, I have been told by one Mr. Alan Jude, might actually be the most interesting feature, is they have lots of stuff in the pipeline planned, and I believe the new FreeNAS is going to be based off of this. This is actually a pretty significant release of FreeBSD. You got it installed over there, Noah. No. Huh. Huh, that's funny. I thought maybe... no. But if you want to celebrate the new release with me, uh, come say hi at MeetBSD. I'll be there November 11th and the 12th. You can b- find out at meetbsd.com. I think this is maybe one of the BSD events to go to, one of the big events in California, at Berkeley. So if you're, in, people <clears throat> if you're in the area, if you're in the Berkeley area and you have an HD Vive, HTC Vive setup, tweet me at ChrisElias.com. Maybe I'll come over to your place, drink your beer, and try out your vibe. <laughs> I'll use your dirty Windows box, and uh, then I'll report back on the show. And if you're in the area at all and want to maybe grab dinner one night, something like that, tweet me, at ChrisLES. And it's meetBSD.com, the California BSD event. And uh, Alan Jude's going to be there from BSD Now. Chris Moore is going to be there. Producer Q5, sis from JB, will be there. And I believe Brian Contrell, one of the popular guests of BSD Now, will also be making an appearance among uns, uh, lots of other... Uh, BSD folk. So if you're in the area and want to say hi at Meet BSD, feel free. Now, if you're like Noah, who just obviously hates BSD so much that you know I'm a normal that's, American, that's why he f- refuses to run FreeNAS and refuses Prefer, to praise yeah. FreeNAS constantly. Uh, he's yeah. not excited. He's not excited at all. But yeah, uh, NAS, but uh, BSD on the desktop. You know. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You got me there. You got me there. All right. Well, I know you're a gamer, Noah. Right? I am. Yeah. So I'll this fight next one will be one no scope. Good man. Let's go. Good Got a big story for you gamers out there. Mad Max is officially being released on October 20th. I think that's Thursday as we record this for Linux and Steam OS. And I'm giving you the heads up now because uh, this is one, I think this is one of the big releases of the year. So you can go get it if you like it. October 20th, it'll be on Steam, the new Mad Max release. That's your that's your Linux Linux Action Show friendly heads up on a big game release. All right, that's all the news for this week. Let's go review Ubuntu 16.10. It's finally time for us to bust out our Ubuntu 16.10 review. I'm fired up and ready to go, and I'm thinking Noah and I had two very different experiences. So, before we get started, I have to thank our segment sponsor who makes the segment possible, and that is Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com unplug to support this show and sign up for their new seven-day free trial. If you've never created an account before, you can now get a seven-day free trial. Jump into their content. They have some good, good deep-dive stuff. They also, if you're a little busy and time-constrained, you can still take advantage of the seven-day free trial and try some of their quick starts or their nuggets and just deep dive into a singular topic. They have comprehensive study guides. They have labs that spin up on demand where distributions match the courseware you pick, seven plus distros to choose from, the courseware and the servers match that. They have a really elegant system that manages all this. Even AWS instances, oh yeah, Yeah, they have AWS, Azure, also OpenStack, and they've got all of the nitty-gritty things around Linux that you'd want to learn. The stuff we talk about, the stuff that's built on top of those stacks, and they're constantly updating those things. So if you've read, if you've taken a course before and want to get an update, they're reevaluating, refreshing that stuff, and adding all the time, so that way your membership continues to be valuable. But this is where it's really going to help you get a gig now. I've always... I've always said that if you're looking for a new job or you want to get you know, that note on your next review, this could be a legitimate way to go get that extra training when you have availability. Not only do their systems help you plan for that, but it's under your control, under your own time schedule online, and it's built by people that love Linux, so you're really getting in-depth, good training. That's always been sort of a great feature, but you didn't really have a way to show your progress to your employer or to a potential employer or a client. And that's something that Linux Academy is now addressing with their public profiles. It's sort of like your bragging resume where you can show the courses you've completed and all of that, which if you think about it, is a brilliant way to demonstrate your accomplishments on Linux Academy personally or to an employer or client. linuxacademy.com slash They've got iOS and Android apps you can study on the go. Don't forget the offline content you can take with you as well, including audio like podcast type stuff. I've been told that uh, it's very interesting in the shower. Maybe that has something to do with shower thoughts. I don't know. I have, by, not just by Seth either. Not just Seth. You don't believe me, but I have. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't doubt anything anymore. Also, so. I, I, apparently Ryan to listens to you and I in the shower. So, I know. I heard. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that
1: is. I, there, there, you know, I would love to have a conversation with his wife because uh, <laughs> I just the, the the things that I see on social media from him sometimes, and I'm like,
0: yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Go whitewash it all. At Linux Academy, LinuxAcademy.com/slash unplugged. Go try the new free day, seven free trial, seven day free trial. Easy for me to say. Which, if you think about it, is such a great opportunity to jump in. Bang around, look at the interface, get an idea of what the community's liked. It's full of Jupyter Broadcasting members, too. And if you're gonna be at Compute Midwest soon, check out Linux Academy. They'll be there as well. You can go say hi to them. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplug seven-day free trial. Big thanks to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. So Ubuntu 16 Ubuntu 1610 was sort of an interesting release to try to review here on this show. Because there's a lot of ways you can go on another on an iterative release to try to figure out what take. And I I came in with a certain set of biases and I ended up um, sort of, I, I would say, shocked and surprised at, uh, at, at, at uh, what I ended up finding useful in Ubuntu 16.10. So I'm not sure where you want to start with this. I wouldn't mind mm-hmm. starting with a couple of things that I actually think are noteworthy um, okay, and that is the fact that it ships with uh, Linux kernel four point eight. For me, Linux kernel four point eight one. I think it is. Let me see. Um, mm-hmm. This. Let me see right here. It is. Uh, ba, 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 uh, uh, yeah, four point eight o on this machine. This kernel update includes some support for the Raspberry Pi three that is, I think, sort of sorely needed, and uh, it supports. NVIDIA Pascal, which is going to possibly be very important for you and I down the road. Also brings in support for overclocking AMD cards, ACPI low power mode, and improvements to NFS file sharing, which make moving really large video files back and forth faster over NFS. Last but not least, it has improvements for Skylake, which is a big deal for me personally on my Apollo, and... It has a new swath of USB webcam drivers and improvements to HDMI capture devices that work over USB. So Linux kernel mm-hmm. 4.8 is sort of a big deal for us here at JB that I've kind of been waiting around for. And Ubuntu is the first, quote-unquote, stable release distro that is shipping it, and sure. the mainstream distro. And so for me, that was sort of something that... Kind of snapped my head back for a second and made me go, okay, well, this might actually have wider ramifications than I was initially expecting. Plus, this is one of the first times you can really get your hands on Mir. They've shipped Unity 8, with which runs, uh, which runs on top of Mir. So we're actually seeing Mir now on a production system. It's absolutely a preview mode. And I think they've been really upfront and clear about that. They've been really humble about the fact that this is for user testing. It's not exactly ready to go yet. And uh, I was looking at, uh, I think I was on my XPS 13 when I saw a post from Wimpy about how to turn on high DPI, which made a huge difference for me, because the XPS 13 is a touch device with high DPI display. And I was kind of impressed with what I saw. Uh, I've got a video that I'm playing here. This is somebody who put together a, a UI of Unity 8 Capture. Just give you a little idea of what it's like. Play around in it. And it's early days, but it's it's nice. It's there for testing, and I, uh, they're being very clear about what it's what it is good at and what it's not good at, and how to get additional apps and what ships on it. I think we're going to see a lot of interesting stuff with this, and it's a chance for everybody to play with it. So these kinds of things, I think, initially got me sort of more interested in Unity. On Ubuntu 16.10 and the underlying kernel than I initially thought I would be about an average release. And so mm-hmm. I walked away sort of thinking this might have uh, a wider use case for me. And so that is kind of, kind of been a big surprise. Um, and I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it before I go too much sure. further because there were a couple things I ran into.
1: Well, just I'll respond to a couple things you said. First off, um, I think it's very interesting that uh, we are beta testing Mir at the same time that Wayland has like totally taken off. i I really wish that Canonical as a company would would just take a step back and think a little bit about the, about what, where they want to focus and where their target audience and where the majority of the people are going to be.
0: Why why do Um, you say that Wayland is all that much more ahead of Mir at this point? And I just, it, 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 I just, I don't see people for the first time. I
1: mean, I feel like the stage in where you could use Wayland if you wanted to, but it wasn't really, it was just, it wasn't really intended. I feel like that was where we were a year ago. And now we're just getting there with Mir and, and and so i so and, and that's the first thing. But more, I don't know if important. I necessarily
0: agree. Really? Well, uh, are you basing that on the fact that Fedora 25 is going to ship soon with Wayland by default? I mean, yeah. what are you basing that on because we have. we haven't tested that yet. I guess.
1: I I guess what I'm basing that on mostly is what I'm getting – mostly what I'm basing that on is, like I said, about a year ago, is we had distros that were coming out, and you said, well, Wayland is available. It's just not on by default, but you can try it and get your first experiences with Wayland, and it feels like now we're getting there.
0: I would say, though, the counter-argument would be a year ago Mir was working. It was just working on phones.
1: And, exactly, exactly. So I wish Canonical would would just back up for a little bit and say, where are the majority of our users and where is an untapped market? And I don't think that that untapped market is the mobile phones. It might be tablets, kind of, maybe. Um, but we and, and there is a void in the desktop operating s- system. And clearly, Red Hat has failed to deliver on that for a commercial desktop operating system used by businesses. And... Ubuntu could be filling that void, and I think that they're, they're lacking to do so. And the second well, thing is, okay, okay no, good. No, I'll finish it. I'll, I'll,
0: I'll respond. It's
1: okay. So, I, so so anyway, yeah, so I I like, I like that. I, I, I wish that that was that, that, that okay. there was a little more focus there.
0: So uh, I think the things that you are arguing against would have been the same things I probably would have said a year ago. Uh, the focus was on the wrong thing, their eye is not on the ball, and it's led to a substandard desktop. However, Mm -hmm. I think I'm wrong, I think I was wrong. I think uh, think this is exactly what the Linux desktop needed, specifically the Ubuntu Linux desktop. And that was the big surprise, is I was coming into this with the exact same bias that you just laid out right there. Mm -hmm. They've had their eye off the ball, they could have been moving the desktop forward, they should be the leader Mm -hmm. here. And I sat down and I ended up installing it on four different computers. I'll explain in this video. Okay, before we start, I have a confession to make. I thought I had this release all figured out. I thought 1610 was just gonna be another iteration, more polish on the same old Ubuntu recipe we all either know and love or hate. And I might have been right, but boy was I wrong on how that impacted me. It turns out I needed this in my life more than I realized. And that's why I wanted to bring you into the studio here because this was my big surprise, is Ubuntu 1610 is the distro I'm finally comfortable giving the we'll use this in production blessing. I've always had a contentious relationship with Arch here. It's great on my personal machine, I love the software availability, but it does make me nervous running a rolling release on our production systems that we use every single day to produce our shows. So I wanna just give you a little tour of what I've been experimenting with, starting right over here with the Librem 15. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Librem 15 running Ubuntu Unity. Uh, with, uh, of course, the 1610 release, and I've been loving it. It's been super fast, the boot times are incredible, and that is, that's a big thing for us. See, the boot times on this device are actually rather important, it turns out, because we have to be sending out the HDMI signal from the full X session to our capture machine on that end of the room before I can power up the capture machine. Well, when we have a crash, like in the middle of a live stream and things go down, which has happened, the boot time on this end of the room is super important because the sooner this stuff gets online, the faster that stuff gets online. So it seems like a small detail, but I really, that was one of the things I I immediately appreciated. Prepare for utter amazement as I press the power button. All right, now we've powered on. We have ourselves a BIOS and ladies and gentlemen, the operating system. Gun to boot. Now don't blink, because within a few short seconds, we'll be at the frickin' desktop. Wait for it. Okay, it went faster last time. Not bad. Let's talk about the system that's going to get the daily punishment. That's this bonobo over here, and the sharp eyes of you out there will probably notice it's running the Mate desktop. Mate has seen a huge update in Ubuntu 16.10. The Matei desktop 1.16 is GTK3. That's a big deal for us because some of our apps we use in-house, GTK3. It also means when we do switch to high DPI in here, which will happen one day, GTK3. One of the things we require from a desktop environment in studio isn't really low memory usage, although that's nice, and Matei does fine there, it's actually low GPU usage. I, I don't want the GPU hit much at all, if possible. And it's very easy to control this in Mate. You can switch between a software renderer or the hardware renderer. And we want something that's steady and easy to use. The mutiny mode gives us quick, easy buttons to click to fire off any of the applications we would normally use for, for, for production purposes. That's extremely nice. The interface is clean and out of the way and remains fairly consistent and stable even across Matei releases, and that's a big deal for us because it means that once people in the studio learn how to use something, that knowledge transfers between releases. And the low GPU usage is great for encoding. So it's really a win-win. And then the kernel 4.8 that is included in all 1610 uh, flavors, finally brings in improved Skylake support and improves USB camera and also just HDMI device captures that we use that come in over USB, improves support for those dramatically. That's huge stuff for us. I mean, that's like, deal breaker stuff for us, and it's in 1610 by default, which means we can standardize on that, ship it across our machines, and when it comes time for the next release cycle, we'll re- just reevaluate. So, my big takeaway is, I'm honestly a little surprised. I'm gonna recommend Unity 7 on Ubuntu 1610 for friends and family, like, actually, right after this episode, and for our production systems, we're gonna go with a Ubuntu Mate on 1610. This is a big change for us. I think what surprised me the most about it is I thought I would just be stuck with Arch forever on the production machines. But here's what I like Mm -hmm. about this. I like having a stable release on Ubuntu because then I get snaps plus the software availability of Ubuntu, kernel 4.8, and I got an up-to-date version of OBS. I've already Mm -hmm. reloaded this uh, uh, Apollo that I got from Entroware with Ubuntu Mate on here. It runs super great. And so this is going to be part of my production system at Lady Jupes. And... uh, Hadia for her uh, new clinic computer, is going to run Unity, the new Unity 7, on uh, Ubuntu 16.10. And I I think that one of the things that really struck me about Unity is all the stuff you just said about how they haven't been really making any big revolutionary changes has Mm -hmm. sort of paid off in areas that I don't normally pay attention. Um, It is super consistent. It's very simple. It's remarkably fast, uh, Unity 7. And Mm -hmm. um, it's just modern enough where it doesn't quite push all of my buttons like GNOME 3 does, but when you give it to somebody mm-hmm. uh, like like my lady Hadiyah who wants a computer that feels new and modern, she doesn't just want to move to Linux, but she wants to feel like she's making an upgrade in her entire computing experience because yeah, she's right. stuck okay, with sure. Windows 7 and – she likes it but she also has mm-hmm. taste and she likes things that are fast and more modern looking mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. unity 7 by being very consistent and steady and just doing small improvements one of the things that's really nice is like now all my apps that i use that have little indicator mm-hmm. icons they all show mm-hmm. up now which wasn't the case uh, you know a year ago in unity and all mm-hmm. the the underlying hardware or the underlying hardware supports better so it's a it's a nice easy consistent experience on the raspberry pi and they've done specific work to make unity run a lot better on low end Hardware and in VMs, which is really nice too for testing. So mm-hmm. I, I was, I was really kind of impressed with that experience. And then you go over to the Ubuntu Mate flavor, which honestly I think is one of the best flavors out there. Uh, even mm-hmm. if, even if I didn't know Wimpy, I would, I would still say that I think it's really. One of the best experiences, and I think every distro maker out there should rip off the software boutique like there's no tomorrow. The the software boutique has gotten even better in this release, and there's experimental Mm -hmm. features in there that allow you to queue up installations now. If you go into the settings, if you have a fully up-to-date version, you can queue up all of the software installations you want. So when I log Mm -hmm. in, when I set up an Ubuntu Mate machine, I don't even ever bother with, like, scripting or something like that. I launch the software boutique. Bam, 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 bam. I install 15 Mm -hmm. applications, click one button, enter my password like twice, and all of the apps I I use day to day on Linux are Mm -hmm. pretty much set up just with a few stragglers. But even things like OBS and all of the extra codecs and everything you might want are all- Skype. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and the new Skype. Dropbox. Yeah, and Telegram. Yeah, so it's, I mean
1: the open source ones are a little more understandable how they would be there, but what I think what sets the software boutique apart is that you get a lot of the software that everyone is kind of afraid to to have included in any sort of automated process because someday somebody might get sued, and maybe. You know, and so, you know, a lot of the stuff that we, that a lot, most normal people would consider yeah. they have to Chrome, it'd be another great example of something that just people are going to want to have on their computer are now available with a yeah. single
0: click. Yeah, and Minecraft is another easy one. The Minecraft server, Mumble and Murmur, the Mumble server, all mm-hmm. one click. You know, it just goes out in the background, it gets the right repos, it downloads the package and installs it just like you would if you did it manually. It's just, it's such a, it's such mm-hmm. a brilliant idea and it works so fast. It, it's funny because when you when you reduce the friction, when I there's two things I do in, on a an Ubuntu Mate setup that I just I think are great. First, I go into I go into Mate tweak and I put it in mutiny mode, so I have a mm-hmm. sidebar and a top bar, sort of like mm-hmm. Unity, and that's also honestly how I use GNOME 3. So that's mm-hmm. just sort of a real nice workflow that it's worked well for me mm-hmm. now going Mm -hmm. on years. So I go into mutiny mode, easy peasy. And then I launch the boutique. I install my damn applications. And honestly, within 10 minutes, I've got almost everything I need set up. I log into Chrome. I log into Telegram, a few other applications. It's good to go. Mm -hmm. So I, if I can't sit here and tell you it's worth upgrading over 1604, if you're, if you're an Ubuntu user and you're on LTS already, I can't Mm -hmm. tell you it's, it's necessarily worth upgrading because a lot of this goodness will probably come back to you. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're, however, in a position like me and you're not already an Ubuntu user and you're considering it, Mm -hmm. I would encourage you to consider 1610 because there's more refinement here, especially if you go on the Ubuntu Mate side where it's GTK3. You could run into some issues down the road because that's a big change. I had a few applications crash on me. Um, But I honestly think think it's more compelling than 1604 in a lot of ways.
1: I so I, when I when I first installed it, I was I was convinced that it would solve a lot of the problems that I had in 16.04, and frankly, none of the problems have been solved uh, for me. And the, I would ordinarily go to look at the hardware that I'm using and say, well, maybe it's just this hardware package. But I have experienced these issues on multiple hardware devices, and I do not experience those issues if I use any other version of Linux up to and including Ubuntu Mate, where they where uh, Wimpy says that they have specifically addressed some of these and things. And your issue and is the Wi-Fi them. thing, right? Well, that's the, bi- that's the one that is the most, that is the most irritating because it totally, I mean, that it handicaps
0: my system. And it doesn't reconnect correctly. after sleep is the problem.
1: It, it, every once in a while. And it, so it's like, I'd say one out of every five or six times when it comes out of, uh, uh out of suspend, out of sleep, it won't. Uh, yeah. It, it, the network manager crashes in, in a weird way. Mm. I will either, it'll show, uh, uh, the hardware connected, you know, the, the two arrows, uh, even when I'm on wireless, which doesn't make any sense, but it technically works then. um, Or I just won't see anything. It will not show any of the devices available and it technically works then. And then sometimes it just will not, it'll show like the empty wireless signal and there will be nothing in the network manager. And the only way to fix it is to either restart the computer or restart network manager and... I, that just handicaps this is is unusable. And my problem is the fact that other people, you know, have this issue, and that there is a bug opened. And to to the best of my knowledge, there is no solution yet. Actual solution. There's hacks hacks around to get little scripts that automatically restart the network manager, which is stupid. Because that hasn't been addressed, I have a really hard time recommending friends and family or clients install software when I know that the company that makes the software isn't addressing key issues in, in the software st- stack. Hmm. And and now I feel like that has continued on to 1610. And at the same at, at the same time that I'm watching that, I'm watching distros like Ubuntu Mate and Elementary OS, and which Solus are
0: this is getting more and more they, traction. Uh-huh. They
1: are they are that stable uh, they are that stable base that I'm looking for. And then they continue to add just tiny bits of polish every time, just a little bit more polish, a little bit more polish. And that's what I'm looking for in an operating system when I'm recommending it to somebody See, else. that's exactly I what I felt me. like
0: the Unity desktop was this release. I So I've tested on uh, a Librem 15 on mm-hmm. my – I have it running on as a permanent install on my Apollo. I've tried mm-hmm. it on an XPS 13 where I primarily messed around with uh, Unity 8. I've tried it here on okay. AirMaster. I saw, And I've got it running on this Bonobo that I'm talking to you right now. Uh-huh. So I'm, I've tried it on a range of hardware, and only some of them sure. have I come in and out of sleep, but on none of them have I had any Wi-Fi problems this time around, and I did last time on
1: 16.04. And, and I should be clear for the review, for the purpose of review, I did not nuke and pave my system. I upgraded from 16.04 to 16.10, mm-hmm. and so maybe that will be a follow-up. Tonight, I will wipe my machine, and I will install 16.10. Here is the danger in doing that if i if i wipe out all of my settings all of my applications all of my back take the time to back up all my data and i install 1610 if i have one single problem <laughs> one single issue. Okay, On Dad. 1610, I am dumping it and I'm going to a different operating system. I, I will not, I, right now, I have too much invested in, in the way I have that computer set up to to, to totally dump it because it will take me hours to, to reformat that machine. And if I do that, I'm just installing Arch if it doesn't work. Like I, I, it's not getting a second shot. So there's, that's the data. This is, I, is my
0: I, different experience is I didn't have any machines running Ubuntu, I thought, which is weird that I even got to that point. But I mm-hmm. ended up with the exception of Adia's laptop, which I don't use. Uh, none, of my, none of the systems around here ran Ubuntu. I guess so just over time I... I've moved away. And now I've got now I've got four permanent installs because this mm-hmm. is the dis this is the release of Ubuntu that is actually compelling to me. Um I think the uh, the the improvements to Unity 7.5 are much appreciated. I think the number one thing that I like is that they've done? They've backported a lot of the things from the Nautilus file manager. So the new, a lot of the new UI and uh, UX preferences mm-hmm. and like the uh, the copy dialog stuff that's been added to no- to Gnome's newer Nautilus is now available mm-hmm. in Unity's file manager. So I felt I no longer feel like it's lagging way behind in some like basic file browsing features. But another thing I like is uh, they've done systemd unit support in the shell. They've improved mm-hmm. low graphics mode in Unity. And the, which makes okay. a big difference in the virtual machines. So I I don't know, I I think it, it, I, you and I are I'll, walking away I'll with two let, I feel like it's the I'll refined let. Ubuntu experience. It should be, I honestly thought when I was using this, I thought this would be your favorite Ubuntu release yet because if if you like Ubuntu, it's everything you like refined to the next level and it's, it's starting to cross that uncanny valley where it's like, why don't they just get to this point? They're starting now mm-hmm. to move through that by having a nice, stable Unity 7 desktop that's now gone for multiple releases as being sort of the same thing but just slightly better, which pays off in muscle memory and in, in application support and mm-hmm. nice little improvements like this. If, if I, had, if you if hadn't had, had, had the had Wi-Fi issue.
1: Yeah. If I had the same experience you had, I would feel the same. I would, you're right. It would be the ideal release. Now I tried it on two different machines. I tried it on my laptop and my desktop. My, now my desktop having no Wi-Fi and not really ever getting suspended, I just locked the screen flawless experience. I've not had any issues on 1610, but then again, I didn't have any issues in 1604. And there was the, the uh, 1604 means I can keep that potentially for five yes. years. And yeah. you know me, I will. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah. here's, here's one other thing I'll just point out is because I I've just kind of ragging on, on the distro. There's one thing that unity does better than every other Linux distro out there and or desktop environment out there. And that is multi-monitor support when it's greater than two monitors. Mm. I gnome KDE, you name it. If it has two, if there are more than two monitors, unity is just, far and above better. The uh, the granular controls to be able to choose which monitor my Windows default launch on and I can change where the bar is sitting and I can change, the, and you name it, if you can think of it, I can set that up in Unity and yeah. I have not found that on any other desktop. I'm looking at it right now.
0: Uh, you know, I I actually prefer the the Matei Display Manager uh, better because it allows me really? even to set the refresh hertz of the monitor, which is nice for HDMI capture, which the uh, Unity one does not. So Are I give, you sure? yeah, I'm. well, I'm looking at it. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I would give, I would sort of give a leg up there. There was, I was sort of disappointed while we're talking about displays and resolution. I was sort of disappointed mm-hmm. with the lack of out-of-the-box high DPI support. I mean, it's there, it works, but you got to go uh-huh. turn it on still, and that. That on a, on when you have a tiny 13 inch screen and a 4K resolution, it is really itty bitty to find that stuff. And then you got to go in there and you gotta you gotta make sure you scale it just right. So I wasn't sure if I was supposed to do sure. two or four or what. So I I accidentally at first it went a little too far and I scaled it to two and a half and it just uh-huh. was like way too big. And then I had to like go sure. back in there and try to scale it down and it just felt kind of clunky and in it, Unity to turn just on. So we're
1: clear, they had uh, DPI support in 1604. In fact, yes.
0: I think they had a, no, I, is a, I get my here. point is my point is a lot of it's been sort of rebase uh, some of the unity stuff on GTK uh, 3.20 oh, okay. sure, and I just kind sure. of wish I just kind of wish that would have been a refinement that would have made it in same kind of thing on on the ubuntu mate side I I just would like yeah. it to be out of the box high dpi now that we've got the newer GTK technologies in there. Honestly, sure. this is this is an area where elementary OS just kills it. I I I, mm. I went to go use that XPS 13 uh, for purposes of this review and I opened it up and I I had elementary OS resumed right where I left it off. And the True. high DPI support's just brilliant. And that they and they've that release has gotten even better since our review. But once you just scale it up, it looks great. It you really can't complain once you scale it up under Unity 7. Yeah. And it's a minor task. So I don't yeah. complain much because I hit the I hit the super key, I type display, I hit enter, and I scale a little thing. I mean it takes two seconds. It's not the yeah. end of the world. But I just would have I would have liked to have have seen that. Not how to do that, sure. This is, the list last piece, I couldn't really come up with a good way to measure this because it's across so many different machines and it's so subjective. My personal feel when I use Unity 7 is it feels like the fastest Linux desktop to me. The, 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 the speed that applications launch, the speed that it logs in, it. and I, I I think I forget how important that is to me. And I think that's what initially sucked me in and got me kind of excited was... I started using this and it was just it just moves. So
1: follow-up question to that. Do you remember – because this is one of the few things where both of us were in the same room and both of us had the identical reaction at the identical time. Was it as impressive as – or how does it compare to when we first powered on your AirMaster machine and you hit the the thing and those windows cascaded? I don't know if you remember exactly what I'm yeah. talking about, but that was more like a frame rate feeling. That was like, like a, right second,
0: like, that, was like a that was like a smooth 60 frames per second kind of like you know nice experience. Was that was. This is more like a boom, boom, boom. Like the desktop. Response. The okay. second okay. you hit enter on the login, the login, the whole desktop is up. You know, yeah. when I hit the, the meta key it, before I've even begun to release the meta key, the search window's up. T E R yeah. boom. I've launched the terminal. Not that GNOME 3 isn't as fast, but something about it and the way the windows draw and the way I move them, it feels, well, people are going to hate this, but it feels more iOS than Android. It feels sure. smoother. It feels like I'm in a, yeah. a, a GL space. Like it's, and I don't know if that's comp is or what, but it feels like I'm manipulating GL yeah. objects, whereas mm-hmm. on other desktops, with the exception of uh, Plasma, it feels like I'm drawing things on the screen as I move them. They're being projected onto the screen slowly. Whereas with Compiz and on Plasma, it feels like I'm moving things around in an OpenGL air environment. And I, that's you know, just and there, the best way I can explain it. There, there's
1: one other thing too that's just kind of interesting about Ubuntu, and they do this, and I, 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 nobody really talks about it. And it's just a really cool thing. There is um, the minimize time, the mi- time that it actually takes when you click on the minimize button for the window to go down to the side. It, it, it takes a certain amount of time to do that. And there is a counter. And after the first I don't know what the default is. It's like four hundred times or five hundred times you minimize a window, it cuts that time into like half. So what what you the what, the way it works is when you first install an Ubuntu box and you hit it, it's like wow that's so cool, that's so graceful. And then once you've gotten past the wow factor, just in the background, it just turns off, and then all of a sudden your window becomes super responsive. Mm. And it's not until I reinstall that it goes that that counter resets and it goes back, and I'm like oh man that looks so cool. And, and you don't notice until you use. A, a version of Ubuntu that's been installed for a while next to a, f- a, a a clean install, and then all of a sudden that comes out, and you're like, "Yeah, man, that's really cool." And I actually, I went in back into a decomp and actually edited that that uh, that that, oh, reset yeah. that, <laughs>
0: that.
1: So, because, just because I really like that. Back on? So, yeah,
0: really cool. you know, yeah. Uh, uh, architect in the chat room. or no, it's not architect. Uh, let's see who was it. It was thrifty spend. Thrifty spend says that uh, we're getting uh, we're getting sucked in by the newness, um by it all, and I actually completely disagree with that statement. It's actually the refinement of, it's actually the the delight I am finding in the boring, which I did not expect with it. Uh, My personal systems that I use on a daily, daily basis, and I Mm -hmm. I literally mean the only the ones I use on a daily basis, I'm sticking with Arch for now. I'm on those systems, I want the software availability, I'm updating those systems. And it's a
1: necessity for your job to be able to have access to that software when you're on the air. I mean, there's no possible way to replace AirMaster with Ubuntu. Well, if If
0: AirMaster were to nuke during an update, because I do updates frequently on it, if it were to burn down, I might just go 1610 now. I really might. I might. Really? Maybe. How would you demo software? Depends this on that. Is a great
1: yeah. epic. This is a great epic, but it just came out, so we don't have a PPA yet.
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's That would be the challenge. So it's possible I might not. But I'll tell you where I absolutely am going to run it. And it's it's on any of the computers where I might go a week or a month or even two months without using gotcha. them. Yep. And yep, that's that where makes LTS sense. makes a lot of sense. Or maybe I just update these because I'll give you an example. So I'm going to have a couple of these systems at Lady Jupiter on standby for when I hit the road to be able to broadcast from the road, and when I open sure. up the lids to these laptops, they could be a month behind. On if I'm if they, these are rolling, they just to dist- work, yeah. That's a big risk on a rolling distribution, especially on production. Yeah. So- on hardware. The only way I feel and, comfortable running on production is by staying on top of the updates.
1: And, and you know the other thing is too is, is something to consider is updating in the RV is just a totally different animal. Yeah, from I'm doing from over a MiFi.
0: And who knows exactly. what kind of signal exactly. I have? Yeah,
1: right, right. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I tell you what, here's what I, I'll, I'll leave my part of the review at this. As soon as we get off the air, I am going to nuke and pave the my laptop and I will do a fresh install of 1610 and see if that doesn't resolve some of the issues I have had. If that doesn't work, I will go to a uh, I'll grab a system 76 machine and do a clean install of 1610 on there. And then uh, and then I'll see. And if if either of those resolve my issues, I will retract half of half of what I said bad about Ubuntu. If that's not the case, I'm switching Arch.
0: And I'd also like to hear the audience's experiences on upgrade versus yeah. clean install and their Wi-Fi issues, because one of the things was is we thought we were just sort of edge cases in our last review, and then we started getting a lot yeah. of audience feedback on it, and it, we yeah. realized it was a wider issue. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll end my review at this. I'm keeping my personal machine on Arch. All my work computers, I'm moving to Ubuntu, and after I get off air... Hadia okay. and I are gonna go pick up, go pick out a new laptop for her clinic, and that will be running Ubuntu 16.10. Nice. And, and I feel like if if you're gonna put it in your work and you're gonna give it to your loved ones, it's gotta meet a certain quality bar, and that's the stamp right there. I Ubuntu 16.10 is approved for my loved ones, and I think that's a high enough bar. It might not be my personal distro of choice yet, but I, I do feel like it's my go-to backup. Sort of like I was sort of keeping Fedora out on the fringes as my personal mm-hmm. one, um, for right now, it's sixteen ten is my well boy. If Arch really burns me, this is what I'm going to now. This is my backup, and I'll reevaluate that when Fedora twenty five comes out, and we'll review that and check out what they've done. But right now, this is where I'm at.
1: I would really like it this to work out because I have even today I have a lot of time and effort and infrastructure invested in the Ubuntu space, and so if I don't have to migrate all those machines to something else, I would not be a complaining person. So I hope I hope this ends up being you know. It ends up working out. I we'll think. Find
0: out that, I this. think this is another really good release for real world users. I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a compelling con- argument to go off of an LTS release at this point. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was enough. There was enough things that compelled me. And I think for average users, just, you know, people that want to get a computer and have it work right, people that are just maybe discovering uh, Linux on laptops for the first time, I think this is going to be a fantastic release. And the improved Skylake support, I think, will be a big deal, too. So that right there is the Linux Action Show's look at the new release of Ubuntu. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. Before we go, though, we're going to read some feedbacks and all that kind of stuff. You know, we mentioned them in the review. If you want to get a system built designed to run Linux, go check out System76. These machines are hand-crafted in in really kind of ways that I think they should probably promote more publicly because it really is damn impressive the lengths they go to to make sure these systems run great, including contributing code upstream to the Linux kernel to make sure it works across other distributions. They ship the latest and greatest hardware. They don't wait around for a 1,000 days to update their systems. You can get multiple laptops now with the GTX 10 series. Oh, and they just updated the Lemur. I'm saying that right. Yeah? No, I think it's lemur. Lemur! No? No,
1: In in fact, fact, uh, they were were giving us crap at, I don't know, whatever the last... Yeah, I know. And they're like, like, you guys try to sound so pretentiously, you're lemur.
0: It's just lemur. It's just... Lemur, just say lemur. It is, oh, let's, yeah, okay, let's try that. It is, it is the Lemur. The Lemur, (laughs) go get the Lemur at system76.com, and when you go there and you you check out, tell them Noah sent you, get a little, maybe a little extra special surprise, but anyways, the Lemur has just been updated with the 7th generation Intel processor. (gasps) Oh, look at that in a 14.1 inch screen with an IPS display. That'd be a really nice Ubuntu rig. But also, you know, a real popular one amongst our audience is the Oryx Pro. You can get it with a GTX 10 card, 10 or 17-inch screen, an unbelievable amount of storage. If you want to have fun, just go try out the system configurator and just stuff it full of disks. It is really impressive. Also, they got the good old Bonobo workstation, 17-inch model. That is a serious workstation destroyer. System76.com, speaking of workstations... These are some great ones, too, from the Meerkat, the Sable All-in-One, the Retel Pro, all the way up to the Silverback Workstation. Hmm. The Wild Dog, you know, that's actually a really great buy, too. We have one of those, mm-hmm. and uh, that is that is a solid machine, and the Leopard Workstation is fancy. We've had one of those in the studio before. A bunch of great machines and a great company. System76.com. Tell them Noah switched to, to Linux. And a big thank you to System76 for sponsoring the feedback segment. Okay, so we got some shenanigans in the feedback bag. Everybody loves talking about barebone Linux, right? That's always a fun conceptual uh, project. And some people actually really commit to it, perhaps like Sam S. He says, Hi, guys, I'm writing in about the question in last 438 regarding a barebones distro. I'd like to give a shameless plug to my set of Gecko Linux spins based on OpenSUSE. Among the eight spins, I actually have one called. Bare Bones, uh, which is basically an open box desktop with Firefox, RxVF, and the Yast configuration tools, and nothing else. There's a Bare Bones-based OpenSUSE Leap one, and also one on Tumbleweed if you'd like a rolling release. So you can download it at linux.github.io. and you could probably clone it on the SUSE Studio, too, I would imagine. So that's Sam S. He likes Bare Bones Distro so much, he went off and uh, did his own uh, remix. That's awesome. That is awesome.
1: I, I, I'm I probably going to butcher your name, and I'm very sorry, but is it Geis, Geisling?
0: Gahashia. Geisling? Gahashia. No, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Gaius. <laughs> no, G.A. writes
1: in. And uh, G.A., uh, he basically, he has a very long message, and you can if you want to read the whole message, it's in the show notes. But uh, basically, he's looking for a distro that does the following three things for production uh, business use, full disk encryption, installation on RAID 1, and support of three screens by default. And hands down, there's one distro that jumps out, and you should know what it is after listening to our review, and that's Ubuntu with Unity. Out of the box, and in fact, my machine that sits at my house right now has, I have more, but three screens or more. I have full disk encryption. I don't have RAID 1, but it's fairly I thought you had six trivial.
0: screens hooked up to
1: that thing. I do, I do. I have more than three screens, though. Why, um, so why not brag and say six
0: because that's a damn hell a lot of screens, dude.
1: <laughs> so he, uh, it, and, and the thing is, out of the box, it just works. I didn't have to do anything to get six screens to work. I literally put two graphics cards in and then plugged all my displays in and uh, and started the box up and voila. That I is
0: just them. the right amount of hard for something like that. That's nice. So yeah. um, I've, really only gone up to 3 displays on gnome but and one of them was totally vertical and that mm-hmm. works pretty well the main issue i've had under gnome and using gdm as my login manager is sometimes the well the display settings don't get set until gnome starts and so like my my login is just like all over the place or sometimes it's like right. totally vertical it's it's all kinds of crazy do you run into again,
1: that with uh with Ubuntu no, and Unity? No, Unity is very and again I think Unity really pulls pulls ahead. If 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 nothing else, if I had nothing else good to say about Ubuntu, it nails multi monitor support. The way Unity does it, you can type in your password on any screen where your cursor is, and it starts at, on your. You set your you define your primary monitor. That's where your cursor will start. So that's where your login screen will always show up. But you can move your lo- your cursor to different displays, and and I don't even know how they do this, but on my Home dock for my ThinkPad, I have two displays. And the one on the right is the primary one. When I'm at work and it's in the dock, I have a primary display that's a a, a 27-inch monitor. And then I use the display on the laptop itself. Like at home, the laptop sits closed. At, At work, I actually use the display on the laptop. And somehow, through their magic, they have figured out, it it knows which dock it's in, and it remembers that on I'm at work, I always want my display uh, login to come up on my big monitor, and when I'm at home, I want it on the right uh, on the right side of the screen. Somehow, it remembers all that. It's terrific. Absolutely fanta- fantastic. And it will hmm. accomplish all of these other things that you're looking for, too.
0: That does sound like a pretty good plug. And uh, so, I, you with six monitors probably have a lot of experience. Are those NVIDIA cards in your machine? Yes. Okay. And, 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 and are you I using actually, the proprietary I, I, driver?
1: I am. And I will throw a link to the video card I'm using because the, the thing that I like about that particular video card, when you go more than a single video card, there's a little bit of lag when you go from one mouse or when your mouse jumps from one to the other card. And so that particular video card has four, uh, display ports, or maybe it's, Maybe it's one DVI and three DisplayPorts. But I, I can handle four of the monitors on the single card, huh. which means that the three monitors in the bottom and the one up top, which is the ones I'm using
0: the most, are all on one graphics card. And I'll throw a link to that specific graphics card in the show notes. All right. So I'm asking the chat room, should barebones Linux be X-free? Because remember, that's what I asked last week, um, uh, is do you define barebones Linux as having no GUI at all? Because I I, I kind of do, even though the the go-to distros I'm thinking of do boot in default into Really low-end GUIs like Open Box or something like that. But so
1: to me, the question is, what what are you doing with it? Are we talking about a desktop distro? Because then you need an X session.
0: I'm I'm picturing, yeah, okay, good question. I guess I was initially thinking Raspberry Pi or like a really old laptop. Mm-hmm. I, I I guess I argue with the premise that you need an X session. Ha. <laughs> okay. All right, Mr. Hotshot.
1: Uh, I challenge you. I officially challenge no, you. I don't want to, to. Go, to. go 72 hours doing your life without an X session. Just three days. Could I
0: use my phone? No. No, that, that I can't do that. I got to get work the... done. <laughs> I'll tell you what. If I am ever in a position of my life... Where I could spend the time screwing around with an experiment like that, I uh, I have I have reached a place of uh, yeah. either total irrelevance or <laughs> absolute luxury. I'm not sure which one. So
1: okay, so so if you read between the lines, Chris says he argues with the premise that you don't need an X session, but immediately follows up with well, if as long as you don't have to use your computer for anything. straw man. You don't
0: need- Speaking of which, we do have a straw poll going. Uh, do you believe that uh, X? Do you define bare bones Linux as X-free? We'll have it embedded in the show notes if you guys want to vote after the after the fact. But you, sir, you, sir, have thrown a straw man <laughs> into this argument because I was saying on a Raspberry Pi or an old oh, laptop, okay. Okay. which okay. certainly does not imply my daily driver, it implies fair, a fair very enough. specific fair task, function-based computing. And so in that case, I might want a very bare-bones Linux and have it run something like Vault, and it does nothing but Libre Vault. and the reason I want bare-bones is because I want an absolute minimum attack surface server should never have a GUI. I agree with that. Yeah, I'm Any asking. Any sort of server. But that's yeah. see, my question is not that. My question is, do you define bare-bones Linux as X-free or GUI-free? Because I think I think probably most people don't, and I think I'm in the minority here. Uh, it looks like so far, 78% of the chat room, though, does. But more people need to go boat because we don't have enough boats yet to, uh, to really define that. But I'll, I'll embed that in the show notes if you guys... Uh, uh, listening after the fact of the live stream want to vote because I'm kind of curious and that wasn't really the question we got answered but we did hear about Sam's awesome uh, minimum distro so that's cool Noah is there anything else we got to mention before we get out of here I know nope, you're busy doing I'm something mad- there you're busy with Sorry. something
1: So I'm trying to get the links in the show notes so I don't forget because we both know I will forget fair enough but, um, yeah what I about the, the Twitter Follow me on Twitter at Colonel Linux. You can follow the com- my, my company at Alta Speed. We're trying to be more socially involved, and that guy's Chris Las. Yeah, that's true. I can, it's a, yeah, no. his networks
0: name. at Jupiter Signal. Uh, it's also in the lower third. I'm watching the boats right now. They're moving all around. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we survived the great Pacific Northwest 100-year storm, so we're, we we made it, everybody. <laughs> I'm glad we're I was kind of a bummer. It was a little bit of a letdown here in the Pacific Northwest. Okay, well, go also get involved on the subreddit, linuxactionshow.reddit.com. You can submit so open source projects you think we should talk about, uh, news stories, give your insights and commentary, and also leave feedback for the show. Don't forget, you can also emails. You don't have to use the subreddit. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. And if you're on YouTube and you've made it this far into the video, come on, you got to give us a thumbs up. Thumbs up for long-term content on YouTube. Because that, my friends, if you've made it this far, you are one of the YouTube hardcores. And I think that's pretty awesome. And if you're not listening on YouTube, did you know you could get an RSS subscription and then just get every single episode as we do them on Sundays? That's right. We have links in the show notes and last but not least we have a bunch of other shows and i just recently got an email that was saying how come you never told me we have a bunch of other shows over at jupyter broadcasting including <laughs> linux unplugged and user air which both talk about linux and if you have if you're of the bsd persuasion go listen to the latest episode of bsd now they had uh, a guest on there who has a few strong opinions about linux And you might find that fascinating as well. So all of that's over there, as well as our calendar for our live times and links to our live page and our contact. So thank you so much for tuning this week's episode. That's all we got. And we'll see you right back here next week. No, I thought, if anything, this would be when we'd have an issue, because driving in, the wind was pretty strong, and I thought, okay, so now this is, so the storm's coming. See, for those of you watching at home, see, here in the Pacific Northwest, from Oregon all the way up into Vancouver, we were all warned that a hundred-year storm was coming, like we hadn't seen since the 60s, which I don't know how that makes it a hundred-year storm, but that's literally what they said, rolling into the Pacific Northwest and everybody batting down the hatches everybody canceled plans uh, sports sports games were canceled Uh, i mean it was just it was like a it was a ghost town around here and yeah the wind got up to like 15 miles per hour 25 miles per hour and a few places it gusted up to like 55 miles per hour and yeah some trees came down and some you know but it wasn't anything major it wasn't like this massive storm so then i'm coming into the studio this morning and it's pretty windy and it's like blowing me around on the road i'm like this is when the power is going to go out. Just this is when the power is going to go out. That's when it's going to happen. But now so far, it's pretty much I think I think we're past and it's nothing. Not a big I had, deal. I,
1: I didn't I didn't have a windstorm, but I had a hell of a week where, where, where as it relates to Internet. Holy crap. Yeah, you did. I, I don't know what some some like big thing must have broken this week because like we lost, I lost like connection to half the world for like three days. It was miserable.
0: Yeah, well, the telegram yeah, went I'm down really one time. time. That was awful. And yep. then, Yep. Uh, yeah, and it was weird because I couldn't get to telegram
1: at my office and then I go home and it works and then I go back to my office and it doesn't work. And I'm like, oh, it's a routing issue. And so I send Chris this telegram about this routing issue. And that message, <clears throat> I don't know if I don't know if it made it to you before. Yeah, or after I don't know album. either. I, it was. Then, yeah, then it like totally went down and I just was like, oh, well, telegram, I can't get to it from my office. And I get a message back and he's like,
0: it's not. It's not tele-
1: you. The,
0: oh, jeez. Because I could tell you, like, you're freaking out. You're, I could tell you're going between your house and your office. i like, no, dude, it's not you. It's Telegram. Well, They're it's, down. Well, it wasn't
1: just that. <laughs> like, the, the phones just stopped because we have the internet based phones and those stopped being able to reach the server. And so I just we just didn't have phones on on Friday, whatever jeez. day it was. And then so I, so I had people, you know, at home and I had Sarah taking calls and it just, oh, it was a nightmare.
0: Yeah, PG in the chat room says they, they over in Spokane were also batting down the hatches and nothing happened. So you know what, but you know what does strike me, Noah, is I felt like I, I experienced stronger winds on an average day when I was in Grand Forks. Yeah, that's uh, why I was kind of making fun of you. But like, but like fifteen, twenty-five miles per hour does wreck some shit around here. Like that is, that is surprisingly, you know. And it's weird; is it, it creates this really loud howling noise because of the trees, the way the wind whips through the trees. So it creates this noise that's like really intense. So even when it's not like really windy outside, you can be sitting in your house and you hear this weird howling noise yeah. in like, up, at least up up, up by, by where I'm at. Um, so that was intense. And the rain was it was pouring buckets of rain. Like that was, there's a lot of that. But wind wise, although I do think like 25 miles per hour does do more damage around here than it does in Grand Forks for some reason. I don't know if yeah. that's...
1: Well, part of it is just everything is just kind of, we're set up for a lot of wind because it, we're so flat like, we put tree lines up, shelter belts, to prevent, to try and slow wind down. Of course, <clears throat> trees don't totally stop the wind, so it just kind of, like, you know, no. cuts it apart a little bit. Yeah, it cuts a bit. Yeah, we, we, get, we get, I mean, we get, you know, 50, 60 mile an hour winds routinely in the summer. and That's why I was like, I, that's why I didn't believe you at first. I was like, there's no way, a, whatever, 16 mile an hour wind yeah, uprooted know. that tree. Like, I, I was know. like, there's
0: no way. Well, see, that, and what happens, too, is a lot of the suburbia trees are not really well rooted clearly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Neither is their grass, apparently.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What we get up in, uh, what we get up in La is just, uh, just an unbelievable- like, it snows, only it's pine needles and leaves, and so there's just a layer of pine needles and leaves on on everything up there right now. It's like- and you gotta get it washed off, because that stuff sticks. Oh, yeah, yeah, here we go. So look at this before we get out of here. So this, we show this in TechSnap, so these are the patch laggers, the percentage of Android phones that haven't been patched in the last 90 days. Only 2.3% of Nexus devices have not been patched, so Nexus devices are essentially at iOS level, um, patch level. So that not that, that interesting? Then it drops off pretty dramatically. When you go to LG, LG is the number two. They're the number two, like after Nexus. So they're the number one non-Nexus for patch level. I didn't really ever consider that. LG, seventy-three point four percent of their devices are patched. Holy shit, right? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Then you get to Samsung. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Seventy-three percent of uh, oh wow, seventy-three percent of LG's devices haven't patched. Fifty-five percent haven't patched. Ninety-six percent of Motorola's and ninety-eight percent of Sony's. Wait a minute. So 73% is, uh, that haven't been patched is actually LG's bad. I'm sorry. I read that backwards. It's worse oh yeah, than I was I'm, reading it.
1: But you know why? Because the graphic the graphic is backwards. Yeah. The green would yeah. think would indicate... Patch. Good
0: thing. Yeah. yeah. No, it's backwards. So, But LG is actually worse. 73% of LG devices are not patched. 98% of Sony devices are not patched. 96.5% of Motorola devices are not patched. And 55% of Samsung devices. So Samsung is second best after Nexus. But still, more than half their devices are left unpatched in the wild. And this is data collected from an August check of Android smartphones. So Nexus is really good. Only 2.3. I don't know why it's all red. That's crazy, right? But so 2.3% for Nexus devices is crazy great. Samsung second best at 55. 73% of LG devices. That's nuts. But 96.5% of Motorola. What the actual F?
1: So only, so less than 4% of Motorola devices.
0: What the actual F? Like, how do you, Motorola is, was supposed to be like the great U.S. cellular company, makes great phones, gets bought by Google, owned by Google, and still has one of the worst track records. Are they
1: st- I thought they got sold back. Yeah, Did no, 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 away? now they're
0: owned by Lenovo's. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, Lenovo bottom. Jeez. Now, that's just their smartphone division, right? Yeah, the I think so. not
1: like the two-way radio stuff. And-
0: I just find that to be a travesty. And what? Okay, the last thing that gets me is that it's Linux, that they're dragging Linux down with them. If they, I, Part of me wishes they would have used a BSD base for Android. I'm not I saying I totally wish it. That, yeah. yeah, but I kind of wish Android was based on BSD, so then people are what would be walking around with these BSD devices full of holes in their pockets instead of Linux boxes. Like, it's kind of the worst part yeah. is a lot of the things that are affecting these devices that they need to be patched from are Linux vulnerabilities. Yeah. That's the worst part. And so I kind of wish, and it's not like BSD wouldn't have had those same vulnerabilities or similar ones. And yeah. especially once you got BSD into production scale like that, people would have been finding all kinds of problems like they do with Linux. But it just would have been nice that if you had tens of millions of customers walking around the world, and some of these people are in countries where this kind of cybercrime is way more aggressive, it would have been nice if it would have been BSD that was exposing all of their life secrets instead of Linux. <sighs>
1: like our 1604 our initial review like we ba- basically had the same experience a couple software packages that aren't available but that's kind of to be expected from ubuntu and but then the main thing was is like everything just really worked and it was very polished and everything and then they actually released it and somehow in 24 hours they managed to undo six or seven months worth of useful work and um like key freaking things just didn't work in 1604 and now i'm just upset what's my alternative? Well. I refuse to put people like ordinary users on Arch because I think it's a bad idea. So for them, Ubuntu Mate, which is a really great operating system, it is just, it, everything just works. It, Ubuntu Mate is becoming my operating system if I don't want to have to screw with it and I just want to install it and be done with it. It's like the macOS of Linux. You would just install it and then I don't have to touch it again. Elementary is also pretty good. Uh, so I, and in elementary, you know, Ubuntu Mate is more of a utility distro and elementary is more of like a, a Pretty Bells and Whistles distro. So I'd kind of juggle between those two if it's somebody else. For me personally, the problem is five years, the five years ago, Noah and the Noah of today had drastically different needs. Five years ago, I was doing a ton of, I mean, I'm still doing a ton of Red Hat stuff, but I was supporting a lot of Red Hat boxes. And because of that, at the time, the way that the Fedora release cycle worked out, it just it made a lot of sense for me to be on Fedora. These days, now working with Chris and Rakai, and every time I have a question, my first answer I get back is, I don't know, it worked fine in Arch, so just <laughs> <using> Arch, <just> <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't oh, have a problem. It's hard out so there I, for a Noah. So, so... You know, and and that coupled with the fact that I have my first Arch box, the first thing I ever actually installed with Arch, that computer is still running today. Like I have never reinstalled the operating that system. That is the on that thing. Laptop.
0: That is the thing that I am constantly like, how the how and out of all the things, wouldn't you think that wouldn't be the thing? Wouldn't you think that would right. be the box right. that yeah would know.
1: Yeah, I know. And there are little things. There are little things that don't work from time to time. <clears throat> how you often do you update it? Mean, fine. huh?
0: How often do you update? Yeah.
1: Well since I, I had I had a big scare because I you know that big huge bad window that like around Linux Fest Northwest yeah I, I missed that window and so I got home and I'm like oh god what do I do so I I'm like beard fix it and he so then he gave me a complicated series of commands that I was I don't I don't even know what I did I just I copied and pasted basically but Somehow he fixed it so that yeah, I didn't totally kill the box, and then every ever since then, like once a week, I try and update it.
0: That's Rikai's power stroke yes. right there. Is the the really weird command? Like we did, uh, we waited like half a year to update our VM server, and then when it did update, there was a problem. Yeah, and he went in there and okay. he went in there with his power stroke and knocked it out of the park like that. That esoteric command that you can run that restores the whole system. He's good at <laughs> <to> like finding <laughs> a good string and putting it all together. And yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I was I was a little I was a little afraid. And here's the thing: for all the crap that he gets, and I was surprised he didn't bring this up. Like I didn't think about it back then, or I would have said it. I was surprised he didn't bring this up on user error. If he really wants to make an example of like uh, of like him being a dedicated Linux user, it's. I literally copy and paste commands that he tells me into like really important computers of mine. And for all I know, he's like, hack them and has access to all of them. And I just trust him not to do that. Like, I I would not think twice about giving Rakai the root password to one of my boxes and being like, here, can you just fix this for me? Wouldn't think twice about it.
0: That's because he already has root access.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I would forget that I gave
1: it to him. How would I know?